You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. Welcome back. Super excited for today's content. I have two fantastic interviews with absolute geniuses. I think you're going to love the insight that you're going to get today. I think you'll learn a lot from both of these two dudes. Before we get started, it is the NFL offseason, which means that Even though our daily downloads are still looking fantastic, a lot of you guys are tuned in because you're really excited about the NFL draft. Advertisers don't view it that way. Advertisers think that you guys are not real tuned in. As such, we're not getting a lot of ads on the podcast, you may have noticed. So if you enjoy the content that I create and would love to help me continue to do all this, patreon.com forward slash JJ Leahy, or you can shoot me a message on Twitter at JJ Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y. If you don't like Patreon and you would be interested in financially supporting the show in a different way, I saw somebody this past week uh, signed up on Patreon to donate 20 bucks a month, which would have been by far the biggest uh, supporter I have. And I got real excited, and then it was that pledge was deleted like a couple minutes later, so got me all excited for nothing. So I'm thinking that was a mistake, and uh, listen... To the person that deleted that pledge, if the $20 part was a mistake but supporting me was not, reach out to me and let's see what we can do <laughs> because uh, I'd hate to uh, lose your support just because of a uh, technical error. As always, uh, on Twitter, at JJ Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y, is the best place to get in touch with me if you want to shoot in questions for the show. If there are uh, some things you'd like me to research for you, I'd be happy to do that. Or if you are making your own Packers content and you'd like a shout out, I'm happy to do that as well. All right, we're going to take our ad break right now because uh, I don't want to interrupt uh, either of these interviews, but probably not going to be any ads. So you're going to hear a a second or two of silence (laughs) because there's no advertisers right now in the NFL offseason. Super annoying. And then we're going to hop in with uh, our first guest, Shahan Jayaraja of CBS Sports. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I'm talking to Shahan Raja. He's a national college football writer at CBS Sports. He's also one of the hosts of one of my all-time favorite podcasts, the College Football Survivor Show, hosted with the uh, inimitable Doug Lee Maurice. Uh, Shahan, I never miss an episode of that podcast. It's one of just three podcasts I listen to that I never miss a single episode. You are the bomb. I'm so excited that you came on here to talk to me today. Uh, Shahan, when I listen to you talk about college football, it feels like you're talking about 140 college football rosters the way I might talk about 32 NFL rosters, just the uh, depth of knowledge that you have crammed inside that brain is super impressive, and I'm absolutely uh, so floored that you came on the podcast today to talk to me. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. That means a lot to, to hear your nice words, you know. It's been a lot of fun for me. We've been doing this for, what, this was our first full season doing it, and I think that we've really found something that works for us. It's been, uh, you know, I think it's been great chemistry between me and Doug, and so uh, for me, it's it's always a lot of fun, you know, because one of the things I love about college football, like you mentioned, is the fact that top to bottom, all 130 teams in FBS, you've got people who are just ravenous about uh, about what's going on, and so I've always latched onto that, and I'm, I'm glad that that kind of comes through a little bit. <laughs> That's great. So, Shahan, uh, we're going to talk about some uh, some Baylor players today because uh, Baylor's your alma mater. It's what you where you met your wife, Bargavi. Um, and uh, every time I hear you talk about about Baylor, you have more information to share about Baylor than anybody else ever wants to hear about. Super knowledgeable. <laughs> but we got some players in this NFL draft this year from Baylor who have uh, some ties to the Green Bay Packers positionally. We're going to start off with not the highest guy on the consensus mock draft. And by the way, I'll be referencing um, NFL mock draft database.com when I'm talking about where people are kind of projected to go, because we got to have something to talk about. So we're not talking about the top guy, but we are talking about the guy who's in Green Bay, Wisconsin right now, as we speak, meeting with the Packers. And that is speedy wide receiver, Taekwon Thornton. He ran a blazing, what, 428 at the combine, I believe. Actually, for a minute, uh, they were incorrectly reporting that he had like broken the world record and it was a 421. Had to be a little bit disappointing for him to hear that it was not, but still, 428 is crazy fast. And the Packers, of course, are looking to re- replace not only Devontae Adams, but also the blazing fast MVS who ran a 437. So Taekwon would be a, a 
massive upgrade in the speed department over MVS. But the Packers have been really interested in him. Matt LaFleur, the head coach, has recently mentioned how important it is to him to add some speed to that wide receiver room. So what can you tell me, Shahan, about Tyquan Thornton? Well, if you want speed, I mean, Tyquan Thornton is it. He was a Florida track star coming out of high school from Miami. Uh, He came to Baylor. And the other thing about his game that I'll say, too, is that I feel like he might have more potential than maybe he even showed at Baylor because, Mm. you know, his first three years when he was there, uh, it was inconsistent quarterback play. You know, people who watch Charlie Brewer, he was a solid quarterback, but not somebody who's going to challenge downfield. You got a little bit more of that with Gary Bohannon as a senior, but they haven't had that quarterback who's throwing these home run balls, right? They they haven't had the guy who's taking the top off the defense like that. You saw in a lot of ways this past year, you know, 62 catches, 948 yards, 10 touchdowns. I mean, he is a dynamic player. He's somebody who can get behind defenses. He's somebody who can create after the catch in a lot of ways. Uh, And he's got great size to a six foot three. So I think that there's a lot of reasons to be excited about a player like him. And especially without having to to spend one of those first or second round picks, right? I mean, I, I think that he's somebody who uh you know who could come in and I think that pairing up with somebody like Aaron Rodgers is perfect for him because he's one of those guys he creates that separation and and he hasn't had the quarterbacks who are necessarily going to get it to him right and stride to take it to the house I I think he's going to be a really good NFL player and I think some people will be surprised with uh with how easy the game comes to him okay that's cool to hear so he's being projected as a, a pretty pretty late pick actually he is sitting at uh 171 on the uh, consensus big board. So not an early pick with all that athleticism. What are some of the uh, things that he struggles with that has have pushed him down uh, that far in people's uh, big boards? Yeah, I think that the big thing with him is that there are times where he has been a boom and bust player, right? I mean, Mm. there are times when if he's not taking the top off, then he's not doing a whole lot necessarily. And especially that uh, junior year, again, I I really don't hold it against him necessarily. But, you know, 16 catches, 158 yards, even in in five games. I mean, that's not very good, right? I mean, he didn't put his stamp on games. Uh, He's not that kind of like dynamic guy who's going to go up and get the ball, guy who's going to out physical teams. You know, he is somebody who is more of a route runner, somebody who more is going to be schemed open, um, you know, once you get one-on-one opportunity. So, like, he is a little bit more of a uh, of a single-tool player coming out right now, but that tool is really solid, and I think that he has a lot more upside in his game just because of obviously what he does physically, but he does have good hands. He does have good knowledge of the game. He does create good separation. Uh, he does have a good knowledge of where he needs to be you know, when running routes and, and creating those kind of windows. So I do think that, especially if he's paired with a good quarterback, that's going to help things out a lot. So the, the big thing comparing him to the you know Jameson Williams or whoever else is that right. – you know, he he's not maybe that complete type receiver coming out right now. Sure. OK, awesome. Uh, let's turn our attention to Jalen Petrie. Uh, actually, Baylor has a pair of safeties. Uh, we're talking about JT Woods is the other guy who both are pretty impressive prospects. Petrie, though, has kind of cemented himself as um, maybe a, a mid second round pick or even earlier. And in fact, when I am looking at all the uh, safety stats, there's a lot of ways that you could uh, rank these guys and put Petrie near the very top of the list of safeties in this draft. What can you tell me about his game? Yeah, it's interesting. So when he came to campus, he was a safety. They moved him to linebacker then, and he never really thrived in that role. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, he he just played a little heavy and, and played a little slow relative to what you expected based on his high school tape. And then... Uh, 
up for his junior year, you know, when they did bring in Dave Aranda, and especially as a senior, they lightened him up, they let him really go play safety. And the thing about Jalen Petrie is that, uh, you know, talking to Dave Aranda, something that he really says is that he likes having what they call that star defender. And so that star defender, it's a safety position, but it's somebody that they'll do whatever works basically. So, so somebody uh, who people might know who kind of played that similar role was Grant Delpit at LSU. And they played Grant Delpit more of sort of a true safety. And with Jalen Petrie, man, they, they did everything with him. He, they brought him into the box. They brought him off the edge. They brought him at cornerback. They brought him at safety. Like he can do anything at his size. You know, I think he ran uh, in the four fours at Baylor's pro day. So he does have that elite level speed that maybe, you know, I was a little surprised. I I didn't know what he was going to run. I thought maybe he'd run in the four or five. So to to see that number, very impressive. Uh, I mean, I I feel like you almost have to just look at his numbers to understand uh, what kind of stuff he does. Right. I mean, 18 and a half tackles for loss as a, a safety base. Basically, mm-hmm. three and a half sacks, two interceptions, seven passes defended, three fumble recoveries. I mean, he is he is everywhere, right? I mean, if you if you talk about players who make that Baylor defense go, it was Jalen Petrie top to bottom. I believe he won Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, which was very well deserved. I know that um, you know Doug and I, well, just this year, just me, but you know, I was on the Football Writers Association All America team. We put him on our first team. So I mean, when, when you talk about somebody who can fill a lot of different roles, I think that Jalen Petrie's experience, both as a safety and again, kind of as that slot corner and as a linebacker, makes him one of the most versatile prospects coming into this draft. And so, uh, you know, th- that's what I like so much about him is I think that you can kind of slot him into any system, and he's going to find a way to thrive. Yeah, that is fascinating. And you mentioned the versatility and the fact that, you know, if if you're looking just at, say, PFF grades, he grades really highly in uh, pass rush and in coverage. He's not terrible in in run defense. His grades aren't as high. But then you look at the stats. He had 50 stops, like like you mentioned, and and 75 tackles. The guy is a cleanup machine. And uh, it's funny you mentioned the star position. I actually didn't know that he had experience playing that. That's uh, we even call it the same thing here in Green Bay. Mm. Uh, our our new defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, uh, did introduce the star uh, into the defense last year. And I think uh, our safety, Adrian Amos, played a lot of that last year. But um, there is uh, there are some signs that you could look to to point to that maybe the Packers are ready to move on from Amos, who's kind of getting up there in years. And if they're going to replace him with Petrie, it'd make a lot of sense that he, number one, is so versatile, which is something the Packers really uh, value. And he is athletic. Um but that he has experience um, playing specifically at, at that star role. That's really cool. What well, can you tell me yeah. about his teammate, JT Woods? Yeah. Unless so you JT something else Wood, tell me about, about Petrie. Well, the, the one other thing that I'll mention on Petrie and, and kind of with these defenders in general is that, um, you know, talking to, to people at Baylor, you know, the way that they teach defense is, is really thorough and um, they really kind of rely on. And actually this was a story that I heard uh, a few weeks ago. You know, Dave Aranda on the defensive side of the ball primarily only talks to a couple of almost team leaders. And then those Mm. guys almost communicate that to the rest of the team. Right. And so Jalen Petrie was very much one of those guys who was kind of asked to not just learn like that, but, but was almost asked to teach as well. So he's somebody who is going to pick up a system very well. He understands the finer points of defense. Uh, you know, I, I interviewed him for Dave Campbell sex football magazine last year as part of our player profile. And um, you know, it, it was just so clear how much trust they kind of had in him as a player in terms of, uh, of not just understanding his role, but also wanting to start by the office learn more about football that sort of stuff so you know i mean 
obviously there are players like that all around the country, but I think that, um, you know, Baylor really teaches defense at a high level under Dave Aranda. I think that that's something that they've emphasized. And so I think that that makes him sort of the type who's maybe going to maximize his physicals more than some other guys. Wow. That's cool. But Petrie has been, like I said, right at the top of my safety list. I think I, I really have him as my safety two behind Lewis scene, but I like both these guys I would be super excited to get Petrie. Um, does JT Woods have anything the, that you think would, would um, intri- intrigue uh, NFL teams? Yeah, I mean, I think that, first of all, I expect that JT Woods is going to be a tremendous special teams player. Like, I think that okay. he's going to come in right away. He's so athletic. He's so, uh, you know, physical. <laughs> sometimes actually got him in trouble last season just because he was, <laughs> you know, all the head-to-head stuff. Sometimes you got to watch out for that. But, I mean, it's because he plays 100 miles per hour in a good way. And, you know, I mean, he was somebody, uh, five interceptions last year, three interceptions the year before. I mean, he he's somebody who has tremendous closing speed. Uh, and, and with him, I mean, it is a very he's a very toolsy player I mean he is somebody who does have size you know 6'2 200 pounds does have speed can run into the four fours I I mean that's kind of what you're really getting with JT Woods he also you know multi-year starter for Baylor uh, has played a lot of downs played a lot of football really understands the game at a high level definitely somebody who again I I think is maybe a little bit more somebody who Mm -hmm. You're filling your kind of last position, you know, maybe maybe somebody who is a great reserve for you. I don't know if it's necessarily he's going to be a, a starting caliber safety right away, you know. I, but I mean, I, I think that he definitely has the physicals and, and the knowledge of the game to, to work his way in that way. But especially coming out right away. I mean, I think that he's going to be able to come in and be a great special teams player and is definitely going to, I think, be somebody who makes a roster. Super cool. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Woods' speed as well. I'm looking at uh, the 40 times that the Baylor guys have posted. You got a bunch of speedy dudes down there. You got uh, Kalen Barnes at a four. You know, is this is this right? A four, two, three on Kalen Barnes. That's crazy. Yep, the fastest defensive back of all time. Wow. Four, two, eight for Tyquan Thornton. Four, three, six for JT Woods. Four, four, three for Tristan Ebner, the running back. That is a speedy bunch of players. Um and uh, one guy I don't have a 40 time for on my list is Abram Smith. But what we do have is a crazy high PFF grade at clocking it at uh, 90.2. Uh, really good. <laughs> so this is a guy who is a he's a big boy. He's uh, six foot, two thir- 213 pounds. Uh, what kind of a, of a running back is he? Uh, what, what, are, what are his uh, big strengths that get you excited? Yeah, and, and I'll mention uh, Jim Nagy over at the Senior Bowl did post that because uh, because Abram Smith did not run at the combine. He posted that at his senior day he hit four 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 according to some scouts. All right, I that that feels a little fast for me. I, I feel like he might be more in like the four five type range consistently, but. You know, so so actually, Abram Smith is a great story too. So um, so he came to campus, was a running back, tore his ACL, kind of fell out of the rotation because you mentioned Tristan Ebner and also mm-hmm. John Lovett, who played at Penn State this year, were in that okay. rotation. They move him to linebacker when <laughs> Terrell Bernard gets hurt <laughs> last year in 2020. They start him at middle linebacker, and he plays really well. Then in 2021, they bring in this uh, this wide zone system um, under Jeff Grimes. And talking to Jeff Grimes, you know, what he said more than anything else is I need a, a running back who's fearless. And Abram Smith, you know, you kind of almost see that linebacker in his game when he plays football because he is mm. physical. He is tough. He 
craves contact. He wants to bowl you over. Uh, he, he has good speed. He doesn't have like that elite level speed. Is probably going to be the big knock against him. But man, like he he loves getting hit. He he loves breaking <laughs> through contact. And you know we saw it against good teams, right? I mean, we saw it against Iowa State. We saw it against Oklahoma. We saw it against Texas. Uh, we saw it obviously against Ole Miss in the, in the Sugar Bowl. Like this is a physical dude. This is somebody who wants to punish you, and. You know, the question for him, right, is that because he has dealt with injuries partially because of that, right, because he loves that contact so much. But, you know, I think that it's really going to suit him well to be able to move into a role where he's not carrying the ball 257 times like he did last season. (laughs) You know, I think, yeah, no, I mean, 257, 1601 yards, 12 touchdowns. I mean, he was a workhorse back for Baylor. Um, You know, they kind of used Abram Smith as like, the bash you know like uh, like you kind of hear and the trusted member was a little bit more of like the receiving out of the backfield getting to the outside yep. um okay. you, you know and so yeah that thunder and lightning duo for sure for sure and so you know and and abram smith really emerged as one of the better running backs in in a big 12 that had a shocking amount of running backs last year for a league <laughs> they really did yeah that, that's known for receivers so much but um you know he was definitely one of the best of the bunch and so um and, and i would argue that he moving to to running back along with obviously the wide zone stuff on uh, offensive line i would argue that that was perhaps the catalyst between baylor going from two and seven to to obviously winning the big 12 i mean he was he was a huge part of that just his his physical ability so again it's interesting to kind of try to project into the nfl because you know i don't want to say that he was a system back but he fit that system so well right and so it's going to be something to see whether you know when he is behind first of all an offensive line that is better than what he dealt with as uh, as a sophomore and junior but also when he's in more of probably more of an inside zone type scheme. You know, that's that's obviously what a lot of teams run. I'm curious to see how he kind of develops, but he does have good vision. He, You know, that's something that really the wide zone emphasizes is you have to keep your eyes in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that he is somebody who is going to stick in the league. Um, again, I'm curious to kind of see what teams see in him. All right. Super cool. Let's um, expand our horizons a little bit outside of Baylor, but keep it in Texas bunch of texas teams that you know pretty well um let's talk about uh isaiah spiller because he's another guy that we know the packers have met with they did a zoom call with him i want to say last week uh what can you tell me about him uh running back out of texas a&m six foot 270 uh 217 pounds almost said 70 that would have been a big mistake um what can you tell me about uh spiller yeah i mean he was the best running back in the sec last year i mean he is a physical marvel he you know, he, he just, uh, and actually that's not even fair. It's not even his physicals necessarily that sets him apart. It's the way that he uses them, right? I mean, he has mm-hmm. great vision. He attacks holes so well. And the scariest thing about him is that he he started doing that as a freshman. I mean, as a freshman, he had 946 yards in the SEC and then wow. went to 1,000 yards each of the past two seasons. So, I mean, this is somebody who only, uh, only 179 carries last year, 188, 174. So he does have a history, but he's not somebody who ever had to carry the ball 300 times necessarily. And the other credit that I'll give him, especially this past year is, you know, 179 yards, 1,011 or 179 carries, 1,011 yards, six touchdowns. Like they're good numbers. They're not elite Mm -hmm. numbers necessarily, but I mean, Texas A&M's offense has not done him very many favors over the past couple of years. You know, the the Kellen Mond team, uh, when he was a, a senior in 2020, you know, I, I think that that was a good team. And that was when you saw maybe his his uh, best overall stuff. But mm-hmm. I think that 
you look at him going to the NFL now, I mean, he's going to be in a situation where he is working with a pass game that's spreading the field more. He is working with an offensive line that's a little more consistent, especially than what he saw in 2021. Like, I, I think that he's just somebody who fits in so well as potentially that uh, that sort of workhorse running back, even in an NFL offense. Now, again, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to be, you know, whoever, right? Like, I'm not saying that he's going to be a guy who's going to carry the ball 25, 30 times a game. But, right. I mean, I do think that he is somebody who you can kind of center your running attack around. And, and I definitely see him, you know, being there in that first economic conversation. All right. Uh, Spiller's teammate, Kenyon Green, the guard, um, is one of the most polarizing prospects toward the back of the first round. Um, when I talk to Packers fans online, totally split down the middle. There's like a Kenyon green camp and there's a Zion Johnson camp and uh, the, the Kenyon green camp um, makes some persuasive arguments because this is a guy who was really impressive. What are some of the things that you really like about him? And uh, you know, the one of the, the Packers really like uh, they got a, a wide zone uh, running a scheme. Is that something that really fits his skill set? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's something that he can definitely work himself into. You know, obviously, it's a little different than what he was doing at Texas A&M. But the biggest credit that I'll give to Kenyon Green is that I feel like when you look back, especially at that 2020 offensive line, I mean, it wasn't a great unit top to bottom. They had a couple of NFL draft picks. but They had a bunch of guys who also were starting in the SEC who never really even sniffed practice squads. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were a solid offensive line unit. And a big part of that is Kenyon Green's versatility. You know, he was originally recruited as an offensive tackle, played left guard for two years and, and kind of settled there. And it kind of made more sense in that role. Um, you know, but I, I think that he's somebody who is very mobile for how big he is. You know, it, it's funny talking about that wide zone, right? I mean, going back to that conversation I had with Jeff Grimes, I, I remember asking him, you know, do you want what kind of lineman do you want? And uh, and the answer is, you know, people sometimes think you want small and mobile. No, what we want is big and mobile. We want guys who are uh, both yes. gigantic <laughs> and can also move. And good, I kind good of luck think, finding them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and those are the guys who are rare to come by. And so I think that Kenyon Green has proven that he can move at a high level. I think that he's been able to pull at a high level. Um, you know, again. When you see a lot of Texas A&M's successful running plays, when you see a lot of Texas A&M's successful pass blocking, it's happening behind him a lot. I mean, they really relied on him these past two years, especially. Um, You know, yeah, I I think that certainly, you know, is he an elite mover? I think that that would be a question, right? Like, I mean, is he somebody who, who is going to pull every play? Is he somebody who's going to be able to move all the time? I'm curious about that. I think that that he's maybe been a little bit more of a mauler than he has a nimble type player, but I don't think that that's because he doesn't have it in his skill set. I think it's more just what he's been asked to do, but certainly, you know, I think that that's always going to be a question with somebody who's as big as he is, of course, you know, how, how do the feet translate? How does he kind of move? You know, can he kind of build that kind of skill set? So it might be a little bit more of a learning curve, but I mean, this is a really good player. This is a really good offensive lineman. And, and he has been, you know, one of the best offensive linemen in college football the past couple of years. Yeah, super cool. All right. I think we've uh, touched on enough guys from Texas. Uh, before I let you go, um, I want to talk about a couple of uh, wide receivers in this draft who are crazy talented, who have some injury concerns, and uh, just kind of get your take on them, what you're hearing, uh, what kind of concerns you'd have for these two guys. I'm obviously, I'm referring to Jamison Williams and George Pickens. 
Uh, you got uh, top guy at, at Bama, top guy at Georgia. Both of them um, had uh, some some severe injuries that leave teams with some question marks. And we keep hearing about, well, maybe these guys are going to fall in the draft. What are, what are your thoughts on these two dudes? Yeah, I'm definitely curious uh, where both these guys go, you know, because if George Pickens is healthy, I mean, he's clearly a first round pick, in my opinion, right. just based <laughs> off of what he's done the past couple of years. And also based on what he did, uh, I think, in the in the SEC championship game, what he did in the college football playoff, like if I'm an NFL team. I'm probably trusting that tape. You know, I, I'm trusting what I saw from him early because this passing game at Georgia is just such a different animal when he's been in the lineup. His numbers, again, don't don't jump off the page, but you have to contextualize those numbers on how Georgia plays offense in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, I, I think that he is somebody out of that top group because it's kind of interesting, right? We're going through a transition at receiver in a lot of ways in the NFL, where at one time everybody was looking for Calvin Johnson, these big physical freaks who can jump over everybody. And now we're looking for, I guess, Devontae Smith in a way, Tyreek Hills, all that sure. sort of thing. And so George Pickens is probably more along the lines of the Calvin Johnson type, which, you know, I grew up, uh, I grew up more in the nineties, two thousands era, right? Like that's what, that's what I think. Like when I think of a great alpha receiver. And so, you know, you kind of have to change your thinking a little bit, but I do think that, um, that with George Pickens, you know, I think personally, I would I, certainly, you never want to be the one who's wrong on him, but like, I, I see him as a first round pick. I see him as, as first round value. If he goes in the second round, um, you know, Jameson Williams is so interesting because, you know, he has, he doesn't really contribute a whole lot at Ohio State behind the great, right. great, great receivers that they have, but goes right. to Alabama and shows what he's got. You know, I, I think that for me, I don't want to say I'm lower on him because I still think that he's a first round type prospect too. But like, obviously, we see him in the top 10 type conversation. That's really high for me, just in terms of, um, you know, I, I think that these Ohio State guys are maybe going to get judged a little unfairly because they had to compete for touches with each other. And mm -hmm. so, you know, like, for example, I think that uh, that heading into this draft, I'd probably have Garrett Wilson number one on my board. You know, that's probably okay. who I'd see as the top overall guy. I think he's just the most versatile of the bunch. And and with Jamison Williams, you know, not again, it, it feels like a knock talking about these guys. We're talking about some of the best receivers in the history of college football, um, you know, but Jamison Williams is, is somebody who. I think, you know, I, I want to see him continue to develop some of that versatility. Certainly in ACL, you always worry about. I, I think that we're at a point now where ACLs you can feel okay about coming back from. But, you know, not being able to get physicals, not being able to get medicals, that does concern me a little more right. with Jamison Williams than with some of these other guys. Because I think that having elite physicals are is a huge part of why you'd want to draft him top half of the first round. So. I would still, you know, I mean, look, if, if I'm sitting there at uh, at 28 or I, I don't know, whatever, like, I still think that I, you know, you take Jameson Williams, but I do think I, I want to get good information about him first. I want to see how his rehab is progressing. I want to see, you know, what what is he working on? What does he feel like he can do better in the league? Because I do think that while obviously his, his, uh, his last season was a big sample size of its own, you know, it is a one year sample size. And so I definitely, I think would be a little more cautious uh, with him than maybe some of these other receivers. Okay. Apparently I listened to you too much because um, my rankings are really similar. I have uh, <laughs> Garrett Wilson and Drake London kind of as wide receivers, one a and one B. Uh, yeah. And then George Pickens would be uh, the guy I have number three, right behind those two. <laughs> I got Jamison down at about wide receiver six for me, just behind Traylon Burks and Chris Olave. A lot of it has to do with the medicals. Um, I also fe felt like 
to to an extent, um, you know, his his speed is so super impressive, but I worry a, a little bit more about some of his more intermediate routes and stuff. Yeah. And uh, that so that, that kind of jumped out at me and, and maybe pushed me down the list a little bit, but it largely was the the uh, the medicals. And and you could say maybe it's not fair to um, not knock George Pickens the same amount for that, but I, George Pickens just is so electrifying to me when he leaps off the off the uh, field. Yeah, I mean it's it's so tough, right? I mean having to compare uh, Jamison Williams being thrown to by uh, by Bryce Young to like. Traylon Burks versus uh, with KJ Jefferson, right? Like KJ Jefferson's a good player. I'm not saying he's not, mm-hmm. but like Bryce Young won the dang Heisman. You know, he's he's the right. best quarterback <laughs> in college football. So how do you, right. it's really hard to contextualize that kind of thing. Cause like you said, I mean, we never really had to see Jamison Williams run intermediate routes. You know, it just, it was either a home run or it was a, a screen that went for a home run, right? I mean, it's it's, it's hard sometimes, uh, you know, we actually talk about it actually on this week's podcast a little bit. Uh, you know, it's hard sometimes to contextualize how great is a player when they're playing with other great players because it's just all great. You don't know which part right. of it to, to credit right. necessarily. So I might be unfairly dinging Jameson Williams too for that. but uh, But I do think that, you know, he wasn't asked to do quite as many different things as some of these other receivers were. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, it's like it's kind of like Kenyon Green, like I was mentioning. I, I don't think that it's that he can't do them, but I haven't seen it. right? I haven't seen it in front of my eyes. So I'm curious to kind of see, uh, you know, if that's something that he builds on in the NFL. It's a little bit like the uh, Christian Watson argument. He's got you know the crazy great, uh, you know, athletic numbers and he looks like a freak, but he's playing against FCS opponents. So. I look at that and I'm not saying that I think he's going to stink in the NFL. I'm just saying I have no way of of judging whether he is actually good or like, you know, if you put him uh, at LSU or Alabama, would he kind of just look more average? Like, does, is he just really a guy who just belongs at one of those schools or is he really this freak among freaks who's being compared to Megatron? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, the big question is always. Like if I'm judging somebody who's, I guess, sort of a smaller school guy, I don't want a guy personally whose biggest selling point is traits. I, I don't want something that's about traits. I want somebody who does have those traits, but I want somebody who also, like you just see, understands the finer points of football, right? Somebody who isn't just tackling guys because he runs so much faster than them, but also like is in the right place, knows where he's supposed to be, knows what the coverage is, know, you know, whatever that sort of thing is. And so... You know, and, and that's one thing for Jameson Williams too, right? It's like he is such an explosive player, but like cool, you know, <laughs> like like I think that being a, an explosive player is really important, but it's only one piece of the puzzle for me. So like if I see you, for example, I, I think if I see you running great routes and your quarterback's missing you, sometimes that can be more impressive than mm-hmm. getting the ball in a great position and just finishing the play by running. You know, I think that it can sometimes just be... and and. Listen, if it was easy to do, then we'd uh, we'd both be millionaires, right? Because we just take everybody's <laughs> job. But uh, but you know that's that's what I try to look for at least. Hey, someday the Green Bay Packers are going to hire me. I just know it. I can just feel it. They're <laughs> going to listen to my podcast, or they're going to see me on Twitter, and they're going to know I'm the guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shahan, thank you so much for your time. Super appreciate having you on here. Um, everybody, go follow Shahan on Twitter at Shahan Jayaraja, spelled exactly like it sounds. Uh, read Shahan on CBS. Uh, listen to the College Football Play uh, Survivor Show um, on Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, everywhere. Uh, if you have any interest at all in college football, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, he and Doug are phenomenal. Shahan, thanks for being on here.
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, next up we have another fantastic guest. Um, I think if I were a smart podcaster, I would have broken these up into two different shows. <sighs> but even though I do care about my bottom line and um, you know should be caring about trying to make my life easier by not having to come up with multiple topics for, for each episode, I just wanted to deliver all this information to you because I think it is that good and that enriching. Up next, we have the one and only Coach Han. Most of you listening to this do know who Coach Han is because he's been on here before. But first, big shout out to my buddy Goose. Uh, Goose hit me up recently. Uh, as many of you know, my wife and I are expecting our first child in just a few months. Super excited about that. Goose reached out and um, asked for my address because he and his wife wanted to send me a gift. Send, uh, I should say, us a gift. I think my, my wife and my um, baby are going to be even more excited about this than I am because, uh, you know, I'm a dude. Uh, I super appreciate this, but uh, I'm not going to use it myself because it is a baby toy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a baby blanket, but it's got like a little rabbit on it as well. And I don't mean like a design, like it's, a, it's like a stuffed animal rabbit on the side that the baby can play with. So that's why I call it a toy, even though it's, it's, like, a, it's like a combo toy blanket, right? My wife saw it and immediately knew what it was called and loved it. But this is actually handmade by Goose's wife, Desiree. Um, she has a, a uh, online shop called Mercy and Me. Mercy is the name of their uh, beautiful daughter. Check it out, mercyandme.ca, because they live in Canada. I, I don't try not to hold that um, against them. Or Mercy Me Handmade on Instagram. So um, if uh, any of you dudes listening um, have a wife who loves um, you know, sort of this uh, cute boho-style handmade um, baby and home products, she does like mittens, blankets, a uh, bunch of other cool stuff. I see she's got earrings. I readily acknowledge that the vast majority of my audience is male. Uh, not a ton of women listen to this show. To the few women who do tune in, love you tons. You're going to be uh, probably more interested in this than uh, the guys who listen. But a lot of the guys have uh, wives and girlfriends who might be interested as well. Give them a look, um, especially if you are if you need to buy a gift for a an expecting mother or something like that. Again, it's mercyandme.ca is the website or Mercy Me Handmade on Instagram. Um, awesome people and some really high quality products. So big thank you to uh, Goose and his family. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, folks, I am back here once again with our great friend, Coach Brian Hahn. He's the varsity assistant and head JV coach at McFarland High School, Go Spartans. And uh, Coach, I have asked you to come on today and talk to us about some of these uh, offensive line prospects in this draft because my personal opinion probably yours as well, is that the Packers could stand to have some upgrades along their offensive line if they want to compete for a Super Bowl this year. So I sent you a bunch of names, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be nice to the guys that didn't really make the cut 
they they got the thumbs down from Coach Wong. We don't need to, uh, you know, rain on on their reputation. But we have a list of let's see five guards and three tackles that uh, we think are going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Let's get things kicked off, Coach, with our boy Zion Johnson. This is like every Packers fan's favorite dude. Talk to me about Zion from Boston College, old classmate of AJ Dillon. Yeah, dude, JJ, always good to be here, man. It's so much fun talking, uh, talking some ball with you guys. So Zion, Boston College, as you said, biggish dude. I mean, 6'3", 312, wears it well, um, has, has a good frame, a, a pretty wide, what we call a trunk. Um, he, he looks good and he uses it well. Um, some of his strengths, man, he is strong. He's got really good pass pro eyes. He's really active with his upstairs and pass pro um, you know, kind of watching around if he's not covered up immediately. And uh, dude's a really good combo blocker, which is, you know, we all know um, I'm, I'm kind of a scheme guy. Um, so the Packers love to base everything that they do in the run game off of the wide zone scheme. And, you know, Zion, if, if you're looking at a guard, um, he's going to help your center out tremendously with a lot of some of good combos um, and, and rolling off of that. Uh, a couple of my concerns on him, I don't know about what we call his stretch. You know, his, his lateral movement in a wide zone scheme, um, that's kind of, you know, they, it goes kind of hand in hand. The pro and con, I guess, you, if you will, of being a good combo blocker is you don't have a lot of lateral stretch. And going play side, if you're the play side guard in wide zone, you got to get out. You know, sometimes you got to go hook a, a four eye, which is um, just inside the tackle, or you got to get upstairs, what we call getting to uh, a play side inside linebackers. So you want to see an improvement in that lateral speed. Um, one of his, to me, a concern is just how strong he is in his grip. Um, his grip strength is immense, and that's been a, a great treat for him to use in college. But the pro game calls a lot more holds. Um, so when guys start to rely on that grip strength a little bit in college, it can become a hard habit to break, mm. um, especially in a, a lateral game like a wide zone to an outside zone pin and pull type of game. Um, you get latched onto an outside backer, and they're pretty good at getting hands off or, or – working their body you can get some holds with some pretty good grip strength so that's a pro and a con you know great grip strength if he gets his hands on you but if you're working to the outside it can be a hold and he's um he's a little bit slow uh with his hands and pass pro they're non-independent hands and for the Packers pass pro scheme you want to see some independent hands right and that's certainly something that can be taught well we all know how very good Stenovich and Butkus are Stenovich now is the OC Butkus is the O-line coach we know how good they are at teaching that stuff um, but it would certainly have to be repped quite a bit with him. All right. So uh, talk to me about Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M, because these two dudes um, kind of projected near the back of the first round. And like a lot of Packer fans are are kind of split into like a Zion camp or a Kenyon camp. Talk to me about how these two dudes compare. Um, what are their like uh, what are their strengths and weaknesses like in contrast with each other? <laughs> this is such a cool question um, because the scheme wise, I like Kenyon Green more. I like him more than Zion Johnson. He also mm. is strong, but he is a violent, violent finisher. Boy, he just he takes pride in just running into the ground, and you love that in a zone scheme, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, he's also incredibly active when he's what's called wasted in pass pro. A lot of defenses okay. scheme it up to waste an offensive lineman. Um, he takes that personally and uh, <laughs> he will go and find a slab of ribs. He will just absolutely unload and help his teammates out. Mm. This guy is unbelievable at that sort of stuff. I, I love the tenacity and I like the way he moves. Now, 
I, I do like the way he moves, but it's a slight bit of concern, again, in that lateral game, very similar to Johnson. He's got a little bit of lateral quickness that you'd like to see shaved up. You'd like to see him driving off of that backside leg a little bit more and what we call a negative knee, which we'll talk about in another prospect coming up. Um, but you want to see some drive off of that inside leg. So if you're stepping right for wide zone right, you want to see that left leg really propelling the body. I don't see that a ton from Green. Um you know, he's also got some second level possible issues where he's looking mm. at that climb. If he's got to get to that play side inside linebacker, um, sometimes he, he gets there very aggressively and which can be a pro, but can also be a con for some of these really fast. These, you know, you see these Devin Whites or, or whatever, these type of backers who can slip underneath that and make the play. Um, so as as good as he is at finding work in the past pro game. He's not the greatest I've seen at picking it up. He's been a little bit liable in some stunt twist games. Um, so you want to make sure that you rep that early and often if you're Butkus. Super interesting. Here's a question for you. If you are the Packers and you really value versatility and you're maybe going into the season where you don't necessarily know who your right tackle is, if you're going to draft one of these guys with your, your uh, first round pick this year, I think there's maybe a question of could we stick one of these guys at right tackle for half the year or more while we're waiting for, say, Elton Jenkins to come back as an example. Which one of these guys would you maybe feel more comfortable about in a pinch? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> between the two, I would pick green. Um, all the dudes on my board, and I'm going to give you a spoiler here, JJ. All the dudes on my board, um, I'm going to do what I can to sell the farm to get Penning. Okay, Trevor Penning. Do you have any anything else you want to talk about with these two guys, or should we just get to the good stuff and hit on Trevor Penning right now? I mean, sure, we we can go guard play all we want. Um, if I had to choose between the two, I think Kenyon Green's got. I mean, the cool thing about the draft this year is you see so many guards that played a lot of reps at either tackle or mm-hmm. center. So we're starting to really see that swing of very versatile old linemen. You know what Elton Jenkins kind of blazed that trail on. Um, you're starting to see a lot of that in the college game where a lot of these guys are versatile. They can snap, they can play right tackle. You know, um, they, they've gotten reps all over the offensive line. If it's me and I gotta, you know, just pick who's, who's going to be the, the better prospect that we can also play at tackle. I'm going to go with Kenyon green. I think he's got just a touch more range that can spread the edge for us a little bit more. All right, let's go ahead and talk about Northern Iowa's Trevor Penning. He is, uh, on the consensus big board for mock drafters, he is the fourth um, guard or tackle off the board. I guess they're all the four guys are all tackles. He's the fourth tackle off the board uh, from the uh, Missouri Valley Conference. But he's a big boy, 6'7", uh, 320 and some change, super athletic. Talk to me about what you saw there. Dude, this is my dude. This is my kind of dude. Um if, if you're just looking at scheme, just looking at what the Packers do, this would, and, and I'm going to get chewed alive for this, and that's fine because I don't <laughs> care what y'all think. Um, this would be my number one tackle. If I'm the Green Bay Packers, wow. this would be my number one dude. Bottom line is, this guy is what we call in the industry a back alley cat. He is just, I mean, he is just nasty. He takes so much pride in finishing. He's got the attitude. He's got the swagger. He's got the the build and the athletic look of a of a heavy set tight end. And he's got mm-hmm. the mentality of a Richie Incognito. He is a mean, mean dude who takes it personally, <laughs> man. He's long. He's athletic. He's got a solid edge on wide zone, outside zone, pin and pull, that sort of stuff. Um, he's got some downfalls. But the, the downfalls that I see are things that can be taught and knowing, A, what my scheme is, 
and B, who my coaches is, knowing that I have probably two of the best offensive line coaches in the game, one of them happens to be my offensive coordinator, I feel pretty mm-hmm. good about teaching this guy up on some of these technique stuff. Like, for instance, at UNI, and he's got a great coach in Canton down in, in UNI at Cedar Falls. I mean, Ryan had played for Oregon under Chip Kelly. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing. So I'm not coming at that coaching staff whatsoever. But this is stuff that can be taught over reps and the extended reps that you get in the pro game. He crushes that pocket in instead of taking it up at times you know he'll let it come in and then just rely on his size and athleticism which is probably great in the Missouri Valley right right bottom line that's that's not going to work against some of these elite edge rushers you got to take them around the hoop and let that quarterback step up in the pocket so that's something again that can be taught um he can get lost in some of that movement stuff you know some of these really elite stunts that you're going to see from a Todd Bowles and, and some of these guys who are just incredibly intelligent at, um, at, at picking apart your pass pro scheme. So it's going to have to be repped a lot for him. But bottom line is there's certain things that you just can't teach, right? You cannot teach size, you cannot teach athleticism, and you can't teach nasty. That's the three mm-hmm. things that homeboy brings. So I feel like we can probably teach the rest. And then consider this just for fun. You get yourself a right tackle, and now you have the luxury as an offensive line coach, knowing you have one of the best guards and one of the best centers in the same guy in Elton Jenkins, and you can yep. put him pretty much where you want him on the interior. You could even match this stuff up. That is a dream come true. You usually look for consistency and stuff on the offensive line, but if you get five pros there who know what they're doing, man, you could do some really fun stuff. And then you can just draft a third or fourth round guard, a Chase and Hines, let's say, and be like, Mm -hmm. okay, if you can do it, great. If Penning does it better than you, then we're sliding Jenkins in. It's awesome. It's a luxury, man. That's sweet. Talk to me about Abraham Lucas, because this is the guy, if you ever look at uh, mock drafts for the Packers, especially by fans, basically every one that I see, or at least two thirds of them, have Abraham Lucas for the Packers in the second round. Uh, talk to me about this dude. He is from Washington State. He's six foot six, three hundred fifteen pounds, super athletic. What do you think of Lucas? Yeah. Um, unfortunately for Abraham Lucas, and I'm not dogging him by any means because he's going to be a great pro player. But I'm watching his tape after I've watched Trevor Penning at UNI. You know, <laughs> That's just not fair. No. Well, I mean, if I'm going to compare a physicality standpoint, Lucas is not as physical as Penning is. Penning takes pride in that. He's nasty. He's a finisher. He's He's going to be the offensive lineman that's going to get you a 15-yarder at some point in time in the season, and that's just not who mm. Lucas is. You know, he's right. not that punisher. He's not that finisher. Technically sound, very sound. I mean, did a great job for the Cougars. They bounced him around quite a bit as well. Um, he holds the front very well in pass pro, meaning once he gets nose-to-nose with his defender, he can he can mirror that pretty darn well. I like the way he held front and was able to just buy himself some time in his resets and his hand placement just by keeping nose to nose with a defender. That's pretty good. I mean, that's a, it's a tough thing for a tackle to do against some of this elite speed that you see. Um, he also really tends to sit back in his hips when he punches for when he strikes forward. And that helps keep an offensive lineman very balanced. If you lunge or you pop on your strike to put too much power in your strike and you miss, you're going to get club ripped and you're going to get beat. Right. Mm-hmm. So this dude sits back. Um, very, very good with his hips, sits back very patiently and waits for that pop to occur. Um, he, he's got on and off hands. You know, he's what we call the anti-Miyagi. You know, he's, 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 when he's latched <laughs> into you, he is there. 
I mean, that's the bottom line. And then he can mirror his feet to go with you. But if he gets inside your pads, your rep is over as a defender because his feet are good enough to mirror you. He's very good at getting nose over, and he's not going to wax on, wax off, and try to keep replacing. If he locks in, the rep is done, okay? The bottom line, though, is he's got to lock in. Um, and you don't you don't always see that from him. He's not that that super physical mindset that we saw in Penning. Um, he's a little bit um, slow, I think, laterally. If he's going to be your guy to get the edge in wide zone or in outside zone, um, it's going to be tough. I think against some of these guys, especially if they start to wide they start to widen out. But again, at six six three fifteen, you know, you can widen that edge quite a bit for guys, and you can start mm-hmm. to widen those splits, especially if you got a, a secure guard on the inside of it. All right. That's pretty cool. We got one more tackle on our list. And that would be Sean Ryan He's from UCLA, 6'5", 321. Talk to me about this dude. And one, once you're done with that, I want to know where you would rank him in comparison to Abraham Lucas. We, we already know Trevor Pettings at the top of your list. So <laughs> that spoiler is already out of the bag. Yep. Talk to me about, uh, about uh, Sean Ryan. Yeah, Sean Ryan, I really like in the run game, really like him in the run game. Um, He's a dude who's first to contact. So we always talk about your steps in the run game versus the defender steps. And we usually say the person with their second step in the ground has a best chance at winning the rep. Now, obviously, there are anomalies and stuff, but pretty much Mm -hmm. throughout the game of football, if you get your second step into the ground before the defender gets their second step in, you're probably going to win the rep. And over and over again, Sean Ryan is the first to contact in the run game. It could be a down block. It could be a scoop block. It could be, you know, every once in a while, UCLA, I'll I'll kick him on some pin and pull type stuff. Um, And that's the fun thing with Ryan is is he's going to get out. He's going to get it done. Um, the cool thing with him too, he is a bender, right? Not a leaner. He will go ahead and, and bend at the hips. Um, he's not going to lean into contact. He maintains his balance very well like that. Um, he's really good in that regard. A couple of my notes on him, however, um, he does kind of jump to his pass set. He tends to pop out to it, which is pretty lethal in the pro game. It's a, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thought in the pro game. Um, if you're going to put, put that into uh, layman's terms for me, what does that mean? Oh, sure, sure, sure. So if you're, let's say we're in slide protection and let's say Sean Ryan is your right guard. Um, if you're going to slide to the right and you have a defender in between you and that tackle that you've got to cover up, he'll hop out to it as opposed to slide out to it. And the scary okay. thing about that is um, twofold. When you hop, no feet are in the ground. So if you're right. contacted in the hop, you're going to the ground. Um, yep. Number two, once you do kind of hop, it takes just a split second for your body to absorb that hop before you can redirect. That's why you see offensive linemen kick their feet or kick slide or, you know, a uh, step replace or kick replace or whatever you want to call it so that they can always maintain feet in the ground and then can redirect on what we call a post step very quickly should that defender shoot inside or whatever. So he's got a propensity to get beat inside and pass pro, especially slide pro, um, because he's going to hop. He's going to hop to his set. And that's something that could be taught out of him with a bunch of reps. But I'm sure UCLA has worked on that, too. And still getting to see some of that, uh, it could be a problem. And then uh, because of that, he will lean on his reaction. You know, he's a bender, not a leaner in the run game, but he'll lean on his reaction. If he oversets or if he jumps to his set and gets beat inside, he's going to lean inside to that reaction. And that is the primary way to get a hold in the NFL. Hey, did your your light turn off? It did. (laughs) One second. You can go go fix that right now. (laughs) It's most accurate. 
Dude, you're like a you're like a, a podcasting pros pro. You didn't miss a beat. You just kept talking in the dark. I was like, dang. He's even like talking about, yeah, you know, and I got in my notes right here. I'm like, yeah, right. What notes? How you can't? See I had to notes. pull my notes to the glow of the MacBook. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's see. Talk to me about some guards right now because we got uh, there's like a, a trio of guards who are kind of viewed as um, second, third round pick. Guys, they're all compared to each other a lot. You got uh, Daniel Fayalele from Minnesota, Darian Kinnard, who is uh, from Kentucky, and uh, then my guy, Jamari Salyer, Georgia. Real big fan of Salyer. Am I crazy? Talk to me about these guys. Yeah, so let's start with your guy. Let's start with Salyer. Um, nothing to hate on. Um, he does a really, really nice job, uh, what we call a snap and set the point in pass pro. Um, you know, he's going to get out, um, a lot quicker and with a lot stronger base to start to mirror some of the defenders. Um, the cool thing about him playing center is you can see him snap and then set the protection as well. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's obviously a huge bonus. If you come in knowing how to set the protection and then you go to guard, well, whether or not the call is correct, you know what your job is, right? So that's, that's a bonus for him. He covers up incredibly well in the run game. What I mean by covers up is he embraces the defender and goes nose to nose with him. And then he gives his running back a two way go. If the running back is doing the right thing and pressing right to the butt of the guard or center, whatever your zone scheme is, it gives you a two way go. If you're covering up that defender, you can go either way based on what the next level's doing. So that's huge. That's a great thing. Um, he's an independent hands puncher, so he can be helping the center out while, you know, with an independent hand on there, kind of closing that door while looking B gap. You know, that's all good stuff. Um, I don't like how stiff he is. He's a okay. leader. Um, what we call a leaner. He doesn't bend in the, in the waist very well. He seems mm-hmm. very stiff. Um, and that's something that's, you are going to get eaten alive when defenses bring in a faster tackle. You know, if, if you get to one of those points where they bring an end in as a tackle in a NASCAR package and that sort of stuff, um, you don't have the recovery time when you're a leaner and, and it's because you're stiff. There's some things you can do. Um, you can do some stretches, some hips, hip exercises, everything like mm-hmm. that. I know for a fact, Georgia had him doing all that sort of stuff, still kind of coming out in games. Um, you know, it's just kind of an area of concern for me. And that was one of the big knocks that I had heard against uh, Thayer Munford from Ohio State as well. One of the things that uh, I find interesting about this uh, trio of guards that I had you look at, if you look at uh, all the uh, early uh, offensive line draft picks, there's three dudes who stick out like a sore thumb in one category, and that is RAS. Their relative athletic score is like way lower than everybody else around them. But despite that, they still are ranked pretty highly as prospects when you're looking at them do you see like a a lack of uh you know quickness and and speed and stuff that that shows up on the film for you yeah you know these are these are things that are going to be scheme dependent i think right because the packers absolutely need speed right Mm -hmm. Um, but you know when you're looking at one of these draft boards or these big prospect lists um you're looking at every nfl team you know, this sure. is something that Baltimore, the, 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 some of these dudes could be a dream come true for Baltimore, a big, strong bulldozing guard. You know, I'm going to retract a statement I made earlier on um, on Ryan's Packernet podcast. Maybe you don't want the bulldozer at guard if you're Green Bay. Maybe you mm. actually need that real athletic dude who's going to help you out. I think you need to address your run game a lot better. I really do. I think that's gonna, no argument for me here. That's going to be the thing that's going to open up your your passing game. So imagine this. If you get somebody like – I'm I'm just going to lay out my draft crush right now. It's Chasen Hines from LSU. 
Um, if you get a guy who can explode out of his stance the way that this guy does, just imagine what that can do for wide zone. Imagine the way that you can start to cover up some of your defense and help your A.J. Dillons and um, all these guys out. Um, that is one thing. But the bigger thing is imagine what it does for play action pass. If you are a play side inside backer and you see this guard just erupt out of his stance, you're thinking run all the way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then it, it really yep. sets up a lot of this long naked boot from Rodgers or this RPO game and and all the nice stuff that they do off of play action. Um, that's why this guy is my – he's going to be my guy, I think, if if I'm Green Bay. He's my late-round grab. Um, and you can go with a filet if you're if you're Baltimore and you, you do a lot of GT and stuff, and you can get away with a lot of that. Um, you can get yourself a, a canard and, you know, some of these guys who may be a little bit stiffer and not as laterally quick, um, but are going to be absolute road graders for you. Yeah. You know, it, it just kind of comes down to fit and how are they going to work for your team? Well, uh, Jason Hines, dude, that's a guy. So he's, he's down in the uh, sixth round on the, you know, uh, on the uh, schmuck consensus, you know, guys like me putting our, our boards together and, and guys smarter than me who are still schmucks. All right. Uh, you're looking at, uh, at this guy down at, in the sixth round, and you look at the uh, other offensive linemen around him. You look at their RAS. You got a 6-9, 7-4, 6-9. Here's an 8-4, 7-9, Chase and Hines, 9-3-8. Right there, sticking out like a sore thumb. You definitely ID'd the guy super athletic and really quick. I love this guy watching this, watching this dude. Um, I don't know much about RAS or, or the metrics given to um, guys. This is that's for, I, I'm not going to call them schmucks because they're smarter than I, especially the way that they can put, all of you can put metrics and numbers um, to a game that's so subjective, subjective, excuse me to me. I think that's phenomenal. I just don't know how to do that, but I just know I'm watching this dude on tape and I'm watching him absolutely explode off the line of scrimmage. He's aggressively smart. You know, he, he takes pride in getting to that second level with a pretty good angle. Um, he's a multi-position cat as well. Um, so obviously he's got to know what he's doing along that line mm -hmm. for, for LSU and for Coach Brad down there in Baton Rouge. Um, a couple of things. He is slow and slower eyes and pass pro. That's got to be taught up. And you got to stump the crap out of him in August when you're getting live reps for the first time. Um not with just your standard twists and slants and stuff like that, but you got to bring some of these overload pressures. You got to bring some of these cafe blitzes because um, his eyes need some work and pass pro. He's got to be a lot more aggressive with his eyes and pass pro. And he does tend to hug on inside alignment. So you got to make sure that you're getting those, those feet, which are super fast, get them moving mm -hmm. to the inside as well. But this is my dude, man. If, if, if this dude is available in the fifth or the sixth, like, Oh, 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 <laughs> Tell you what, we'll we'll get you back on the show uh, after the Packers draft him, and we'll just we'll just have a party. Oh, that would be amazing, man! I'm, I, I'll tell you what. I, so I was gonna hopefully meet up with Coach Butkus here about a week ago um, at a clinic we were supposed to do. That kind of fell through, so I went on spring break instead, and I don't regret that decision whatsoever. <laughs> I'm gonna try to get back into that old line room if they do get somebody like that, just so that I can. It'll be under the premise of. Hey, how do we teach, you know, not to hug on those inside alignments? And I just want to see this cat work if he goes to him. So I guess my dream come true. I know I kind of know the, the question you're going to ask. So my dream come true for the Packers is you do what you can to get Trevor petting. I mean, you do mm -hmm. everything you can because that opens up all your doors. Then you right. your other first round pick for a receiver. Fine. Make everybody happy. Whatever. Then if you got somebody sitting like a green sitting around, maybe in that second round, um, really yep. take a look between him and what you have defensively for needs. And you let those two dudes, you let those two position coaches just battle it out and the winner gets their pick. 
And if you can get a Chase and Hines in the fifth or the sixth round, even if you don't get your, your Zion Johnson or your Green or whoever it is in the second round, you literally give Chase and Hines the opportunity to say, hey, we're going to give you a chance to start at guard and have Jenkins out at tackle. And if you can't get it done, then Penning's going to start at tackle and we're going to move Jenkins into guard. That's a, that's a dream scenario for me. You got two guys fighting for positions, not in the same position group. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> okay, who who do you think is going to win this uh, wrestling match? You got Luke Buckus on the one side and uh, defensive line coach Jerry Montgomery on the other side. Does Jerry have a ghost of a chance? At this? Number one, don't put me in that room. Don't put me in that room. <laughs> you know what? This is a technician. You'll be, you'll be collateral damage. Boy, oh boy, the way Montgomery uses them hands. Boy, I don't know. Uh, I think it's going to be Buckus, but I'm an O-line guy. All right. <laughs> you, you got you guys back. All right. One more guy that we have to touch on before we leave here. Darian Kinnard. He is uh, Kentucky. He's six foot five, three twenty two. Uh, I want to touch on him. But before I let turn you loose on him, talk to me really quick about height when it comes to your guards. If you got a guy who's six, five, six, 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 seven, even, and we got, uh, who, who do you have here? Uh, Daniel fail Lele at six, eight. If you had to kick him into guard, talk to me about height with guards. Yeah, that changes a couple of things for you. First and foremost, with an inexperienced guy like Philele, who's going to be a gamble, I would prefer it to be somebody else's gamble. You know, maybe if I'm in the Packers front office, I would say that's somebody else's gamble. Um, but that's neither mm-hmm. here nor there. Uh, you got a dude who's six eight, and he's that close to the what we call the point or the center of the center's face. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to get in the quarterback's vision a little bit, especially if you're stiff. You know, if you're going to be standing up in pass pro and you're not squatting to where six eight can become six one. Um, that's going to be difficult. It's a, it's a tough read. You get in some throwing lanes. The real concern is that quarterback's hand coming. If you're getting caught in any sort of traffic and getting pushed uh, mm-hmm. into the pocket, that quarterback's hand coming down to that helmet range. Um, there's concerns with height, height at guard, you know, six, seven, six, eight. Um, but again, it all depends on how the guy can move. If he's a bender at the waist, you can see six, eight go down to six, two, six, three real easily. Right. Oh yeah, um, sure. If not, you know, you're going to be in some throwing lanes uh, you can cover up smaller defenders. Absolutely. But then, you know, what are you, what are you doing with your height? You know? All right. So Kinnard talk, let's, let's, let's hear about this guy. Cause he's the last guy on our list of dues to keep an eye on. Yeah. I mean, I like him. I have no, no problem with him. If you, if you draft Kinnard, you're getting a good one, a tackle again, that's going to, going to be looked at a guard pro- prospect again, nasty. I really like his finishing. Um, takes pride in it, especially for being a, a taller dude, really plays, within himself I think pretty well he's got incredible core strength like watching this guy literally get driven back into the pocket and then just kind of flex that core and stand a defender up underneath at that moment of truth I think that's incredible I think he's probably the strongest core out of all the guys I've watched which is great you love to see it it allows you to redirect your upper section while your feet are trying to catch up um he's got he's Huge arms, long arms, which allows you to extend that edge, which can get some of those elite pass rushers. If you're a guard, now your tackle can take another half step out on his on his split. Now you've gotten that elite pass rusher another foot maybe away from your quarterback, mm-hmm. which can make all the difference in the world because that changes the hoop angle, right? So there's some good stuff with this cat. Um, pass pro is still a little bit of an issue. Like I said, his core is real strong, so that can cause him to lose his feet sometimes. It'll work out, you know, in Kentucky, it'll work out a little bit, but against some of these elite dudes, you really want to keep your feet. Um, I, I think he engages in locks a lot rather than punch and lock, which means he kind of brings the the pass pro set forward a little bit, um, which isn't necessarily a con, but doesn't 
doesn't fit into what the Packers mm-hmm. typically sure. do in their scheme. Um, and then he's susceptible to some overload stuff. Um, you, you saw him got beat inside, I think, twice in a row um, in that in that Kentucky tape. And that's, you know, that's one of those things where if you get attacked, same move twice in a row, you, you really got to start making some adjustments. Okay. Uh, I got uh, two like non-draft questions that have to do with the Packers O-line. And I'm kind of a jerk because I didn't serve these questions up to you ahead of time to oh, think wow. about. So if you need to pass on either one of them, you go right ahead. First of all, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the the uh, the so David Bakhtiari tore his ACL uh, the at the tail end of the 2020 season and obviously really was not able to play at all for 2021. He's 30 years old at this point. In your mind, do you have any long term concerns about um, his ability to recover from that and maybe be ready to go for 2022? Yeah, none whatsoever. Um, the way that the that's way super that, reassuring I, to hear. Yeah, he he's he's that dude. Um, I have no concerns. Okay, fantastic. Uh, for uh, for Elton Jenkins because he also tore his ACL last year. Um, is it kind of is it kind of more typical at the offensive line position for an ACL recovery to be a two year um, process, or do you think there's any chance that we get him back? Because I think he tore it. Uh, the beginning of November, 2021, think there's any chance he plays in 2022? Yeah, I think there's a real good chance that he's going to play. Um, I just don't, I don't know. I don't have a great answer as to why it takes longer at the O-line. I mean, I know you're doing a little bit more drive. You're doing a little more push and stuff, but you're not redirecting, um, every play you are redirecting, but not every play. So I don't know. I I wish I had a great answer. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) I think it's all right. Last quit. What's that? I think he plays though. Okay. Uh, start of the year. We waiting. We think we're, we're hoping to just get him back by playoffs. I think you'll have him by week three. Ooh, exciting. All right. You heard it here, folks. Brian Hahn, offensive line expert, <laughs> at least in high school. Um, all right. Last question. I'm going to get you out of here. Josh Myers, rookie season cut short a little bit by injury, but what did you think? Cause, uh, PFF didn't love what he did. I know you're not the biggest PFF fan. You actually watched him play. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy what he does. Um, and it, you, you gain a little bit of appreciation for what he does when he's out, obviously. Um, I think there's a couple of things that he does need to work on. And it's it, mm-hmm. the biggest thing is just IDing that point pre-snap, um, understanding where different blitzes can be coming from because Regardless, man, you're going to have at least one young dude on your line this year, right? So you got to make sure that one of those dudes knows exactly what the assignment is. And that means it's got to come out a little bit more clear and a little more quickly from Myers. Um, So IDing that point just a little bit sooner, and that's obviously going to come with time. And then just get those feet rolling around in wide zone, especially moving to his left, man. Um, A couple of times he left some cats. I remember in the Colts game, he left some cats hanging um, pretty repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And that's a frustrating thing for Aaron Jones, you know, because that's his point of attack. So moving left, just get those feet going a little bit more. Um, Very accurate with his snaps. Very, very solid in pass pro. Just get the feet going. Maybe use a little bit more of a drive catch method off of that right foot. All right. Awesome. Coach Brian Hahn, uh, McFarland High School, varsity assistant, head JV coach, longtime friend of both Packernet Podcast and me personally, and whichever podcast I happen to be hosting on any given day because he comes on the show all the time for me. Dude, love you. Love the work you do for us. Super appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate it too, man. It's always fun hanging out talking ball. 
All right, and uh, go follow Coach Hahn on Twitter, at Coach Hahn. Super awesome dude. And, uh, dude, I'm going to have you back on here again real soon. Sounds great. Can't wait.